Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, uh, I want you to grab your Bible and I want you to go to two places. I want you to go to James chapter two and then I want you to go to 1 John chapter 3. James chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 3. James chapter 2, 1 John chapter 3. James chapter 2, 1 John uh, chapter number 3. Now, I started preaching uh, last week on some things I felt like were important for us, some things I felt like God was saying to us. Um, And I want to continue preaching on that today. But we can't just jump into the sermon without addressing... I don't feel like it'd be right to just jump in the sermon without addressing the issues that happened this week in the country, right? And I've been wrestling with the right way to say it. The challenging thing when you're pastoring people is, and especially our church, this is one of the most hilarious things about our church. They'll fight with each other on Facebook and come in and worship God and drink coffee out front together. I love it. I love it. It's great. It's great. We have people across the entire spectrum of political ideology in this church. Okay? You got people that are that are so red they're pink. Right? And then you got people that are so blue they're purple. Right? You got you I mean it's across the entire spectrum that believe every that just that that have lean in all sorts of different directions. And the challenge of pastoring that is this. Whenever you say something, what gets you an amen from one crowd gets you a crucify him from another crowd. Whenever you say something, or if you don't say something, it's perceived and read in all sorts of ways. Goldie tells me all the time, I wouldn't have your job for love nor money. (laughs) So that's the challenge, but we have to address it. Now, when I come to these issues, do I have personal thoughts about this, that, the other? Well, of, of course, of course I do. But when we come to these issues as Christians, you don't get the luxury of looking at these as a Republican or a Democrat or some weird amalgamation or something completely different. You don't get to do that as a Christian. If your Christianity, if you find that your Christianity fits neatly with inside any particular party, you don't understand Christianity nor that party. Are you with me? Now, in the summer, when the Black Lives Matter protests begin to happen, and when they turned violent and destructive, Uh, we preached an entire series on 
becoming an anti-racist church, right? You remember that? I was so proud of how our church responded. I'm wanting us to develop the appetite for challenging conversations, okay? And I was so pleased with how our church responded. And we stood up during that time, and we did not condemn the protest. We condemned violence and destruction, okay? And we still condemn violence and destruction. There are preachers that railed, preachers that I know, preachers that are friends of mine, that railed against the Black Lives Matter protest and haven't said anything about this week. That's problematic. Right? The idea that it was thugs in the summer but patriots last week. And I know that's going to offend some of you, and that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to live with that. Any vision of Christianity that champions or condones violence or destruction is in its bones anti-Christian. I know of, I know personally, preachers, ministry leaders, prophets, and I use that term very loosely, that helped foster what happened, that fueled the fire with Bible verses and thus saith the Lord's. I could show you clips right now of preachers with massive followings saying God has called us to take up arms. You, sir, don't know what you're talking about. Any vision of God, this is, it's interesting because whenever you study the life of Paul, before Paul became Christian, he was a zealous Jew. And when they said zeal, when they thought of the term zeal, we think, oh, they're excited. Oh, they jump up and down in church. That's not what Paul meant when he said zeal. When Paul said, I'm, I was more zealous than all of my Jewish ancestors, this is what he meant. I had a vision of what the kingdom of God was supposed to look like, and I was going to accomplish it with the sword. And then when Paul has his Damascus Road experience, he forever puts down his sword and says, this is not the Jesus way. And whatever your vision is for the kingdom of God or whatever your vision is for America and the United States or your political party or government, if it involves a sword or destruction of any kind, you are not following the Jesus way. All right? Now, if, 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 if you, whether you're excited or upset about who won the election. Feel all of those feelings. That's fine. Process that and work through that. Be it excited or be it distressed and upset. I have not lost a single wink of sleep because of the person that got elected and I would not have lost a single wink of sleep if the other person had got elected because my faith is not in either one of them. There are church people. We're going to have to put you in a padded room until the next election cycle rolls around because you were on the verge of absolutely losing it. 
And I would say, I was saying this four years ago. Our faith is not in that stuff. Let me predict to you what's going to, let me give you a prophecy of my own. You ready? Thus saith me. All of this nonsense is going to simmer down over the next nine months. And we're going to go to some form of life norm, normality, norm, normalcy as usual. And then in four more years, the sky's going to be falling again. And then we're going to fight and we're going to debate and we're going to be launching grenades on Facebook and we're going to be talking to people in ways we would never talk to them to their face because we know we'd get punched right in the mouth. Be firing away on Facebook and then we're, that election cycle's going to happen and it's going to simmer down and then four years after that, it's going to be strap the gloves on, let's go to work again. I'm not that old, but I'm not dumb either. I can notice a trend when I see it. Some of the language and some of the rhetoric that we use now to instill fear in people is a hundred years old. I remember after, I say I remember like I was there, after World War II, after women had went to work, they wanted to stay at work because they were being productive and they were succeeding. And the church lost its mind. This is the battle for the soul of our nation. Send the women back home. And make them cook, clean, and have babies. That's their job. And it was posed as this holy war between light and darkness. Would you look at that? We survived. Culture wars are not holy wars. Don't confuse the two. Right? So we condemn the violence and the destruction of this week. I saw pictures on the news. In one moment, there's a gallows with a noose. And they're chanting for the head of the vice president. And then the next shot, they're, put, they're erecting a cross. At the same time, if that is your vision of God, you need to get a correct vision of God. That's perverse and that's evil. Okay? So whether you're excited or elated, whether you're excited and elated or upset and distressed, we don't do that. Can I get an amen from somebody? We don't do that. You voted probably. Your guy either won or your guy lost. And we still don't do that. Amen. And if that offends you, I'm willing to live with it. Because we have to think about these things Christianly. There will be people that hear what I'm saying now. There will be people that hear what I'm saying now. And will come away with a decision about who they think I voted for. I couldn't, you couldn't make as middle of a road statement as I just made, but they're going to be, oh, be communists. Right? Or MAGA. Our worship of our nation, thank God we live in America, but we're not called to worship. 
We have millions of Christians that know the second amendment, but can't tell you the second commandment. Y'all ain't ready for that conversation. And I own guns just before you get all freaked out that I'm super woke. And my wife really likes to shoot guns, which is sexy and terrifying at the same time. All right, let's get in this word. What about it, Jansen? <laughs> we, uh, we don't stand for destruction or violence regardless of who's doing it. That's why the symbol of the Holy Spirit is a dove, a gentle. That, that's what God tells us. That, that's what God thinks about divine power. The symbol of the Holy Spirit is a dove, not an eagle. A dove. That's what God thinks about divine power. Suffering love. You with me? And I have preached all year long about politics, so if you want to go read that and judge, or go listen to that and judge me, you certainly can. You ready to get in the Word now? Yeah, you shouldn't be talking about this stuff anyway in church. I will make this statement. This is actually quite wonderful. When we did the series on becoming an anti-racist church, as far as I know, everybody enjoyed it except the week that Cole preached. And the week that Cole preached, he didn't even get through the introduction and three people walked out. So it is what it is, right? All right, go to the book of James and then the book of 1 John. If you're not there by now, you probably never will be. James chapter 2. That's good, brother. You're good, thank you. James chapter 2, verse number 14. What good is it, brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works, can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked, and lacks daily food. And one of you says to them, this is how the church usually responds to needs. Right here. They're naked and they lack daily food. And then you say to them, go in peace. Be warm. Be filled. Right? That's the picture of the church that doesn't have anything to offer but prayer. You have need. Mm. I'm, I'm praying for you. Mm, I'm praying for you. Be warm, be filled, and yet you do not supply their food or you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has not worked, is dead. Let me read it again. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, Keep warm and eat your feel. You know, those faith confessions when there's no action behind it. Be warm. That's like us saying, Lord, bless me, and you don't sow. Be warm and eat your feel and let you do not supply their bodily needs. What is the good of that? Your faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now flip over to 1 John chapter number 3. Read one verse to you. 1 John chapter number 3. Verse number 17 records these words. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? 
How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Now, I told you last week I was going to start preaching for the next couple of weeks on the subject of money, but not money like you think. Not money as in you need to give more money to the church. That's not what this message, that's not what I'm talking about at all. That's not what I'm talking about. This isn't a giving message. Whenever you talk about finances, biblically, you have to talk about two different things. You have to talk about, number one, generosity, which is giving, which we've preached on for years here. I say years, we're two years old. (laughs) For years we've been talking about this. All 24 months or 36 months, whatever long. We're about to be three years old in a few weeks. Can you believe that? And we went through the terrible twos with COVID, right? You you have to talk about generosity on one hand, which is giving, which we've put in the bones of our people. But the second part, which we never talk about, is stewardship. How to steward. You cannot just give yourself into abundance. You also have to manage your way into it. All right? Now, I am emphatic when I say this, that God has called his church to be wealthy. Not rich. Wealthy. There is a difference. And the difference is attitude. The difference is your spirit. You can have less money than somebody else and have a worse attitude. Some of the most wealthy people I know have the most healthy attitudes about money. I know we think that All rich people are evil, but they're not. All successful people sold their soul to Satan, but they didn't. Okay? It's about attitude. It's about spirit. Pursuing, going after being rich is about accumulation. It's about stuff. It's about so I can look good at a red light to somebody that I will never see again. And that if I don't pedal to the metal the moment the red light changes, they will tell me how much they think about me and my car with its 84-month car note on it. Right? Being rich is about accumulation. Being wealthy is about being empowered. If COVID did anything, COVID highlighted vulnerability. I think I heard a statistic the other day that says something along the lines of 64% of people that live in America cannot weather a $400 emergency. That's our level of stewardship. Can't weather a $400 emergency. If you need to get three new tires, two new tires, got to swap the credit card and believe God. Write a hot check. And call it in, right? COVID revealed our vulnerability. COVID revealed in so many ways that, and if and if you're in that place, if you're in that place where you're struggling, this isn't to, to, to sh- this isn't shameful. This isn't 
judgmental. COVID revealed that. COVID revealed that we live our lives as a house of cards and that anything can knock it down. Right? We feel called to win the world and to change the world. The problem is we don't have the means to do that. We've not set ourselves up to do that. So instead, we rebuke the government for not sending a bigger stimmy. I think that's what they call it, right? Listen, if you're waiting on the government to fix our problems, don't hold your breath. I figure I get a witness from somebody on that one at least. This it gets so weird when you start talking about money. I'm trying to get you in the blessing. There's a path, but we got to get you there. You with me? COVID revealed our vulnerability. I think it was Warren Buffett that said, when the tide goes out, that's when you see who's been skinny dipping. And the tide went out last year. And we realized we can't help others because we can't even help ourselves. Again, I, this isn't this isn't this isn't meant to be to be shameful anyway. I I grew up, I grew up in rural poverty, right? It's a different kind of poverty. It's weird. It's that it's that that hillbilly thinking. Y'all know what I'm saying? That that redneck thinking. I remember this vividly. I remember this vividly as a kid. I don't know what it was in me. I just knew the way I'm, this, this just ain't right. I'm about nine years old and I was correcting everything because I just knew it wasn't right. You know, the shoes I had to buy was always four years behind everybody else. You know what I mean? They're at the Jordan 9s and I'm still rocking the 3s. Right. Or you go to Walmart and buy the knockoff version that looked just like it. The Voights. Y'all don't know about no Voight. <laughs> I remember how that impacted me. And I remember, and, and I, I want you to hear this with, with the spirit. I said, I remember I was about 10 years old and I told my parents, I said, I'm, because I grew up living in mobile homes. The town I grew up in, there were two industries. You either, and this was the language they used, you either got on at the plant Y'all don't know what that means in Knoxville. Y'all know what that language means in the booming metropolis of Knoxville? You either got on at the plant or you got on at the mines. And if your family got on at the mines, they were the rich people. Well, glory to God, my family got on at the plant. Right? And I remember that life. I remember when I was 15, and I was learning to drive. I had, had my permit, and I was learning to drive, and I was driving with my mom one day, and I, I would notice we were just practicing, I was driving around, and somebody came up behind us, and they were following us real close. I was 15 years old, and, and this leaves a mark on you. And they, they were following us every turn I made, and then finally I pulled into our house, and we pulled in, and they pulled in behind me. And I didn't know what was going on. When I got out, it was the repo man. He came to get the car I was driving. He was just waiting on me to quit practicing my three-point turns. 
That's a weird feeling. That's an unsettling feeling. And I know we condemn success and wealth today, but that lifestyle did not make me more holy. And that lifestyle did not make me really love Jesus real good. What caused me to want to follow Jesus besides the fact that he changed my life is I knew he's the way out of this. He's got a plan to get me out of this. This is not his will for my life or anybody else's life. Right? I remember living in a, living in a, a mobile home, in, and I remember telling my parents one time, I said, I'm not living like this when I get older. And my uncle was there, and he said, boy, what you don't understand. He was serious as a heart attack, and I wish I could do the whole the whole presentation, right? The, sh- the, 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 the shirtless beer belly presentation. And he said, boy, let me tell you something. If you lucky enough to get you a double wide that don't leak, them's the finer things of life. Right? And I'm not shaming people that, 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 that live in mobile homes. What I'm saying is, is that thinking was trying to get in, right? That thinking was trying to get in. I remember in my, in my house being 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, and our house was so infested with cockroaches, I wouldn't even have my friends over. I don't mean for three months. I mean for eight years. Because mom and them, as hard as they work, still can't afford to pay for pest control. That didn't make me more holy. That didn't make me more Christ-like. And for whatever reason, we condemn success to the point that if you live like that, we think that's God honoring you. That's not God honoring you. God has a plan to get you out of that, not a plan to keep you trapped in that. You hearing what I'm saying? I had dreams to change the world, but broke people can't help broke people. Right? Physician, heal yourself first. This is my whole point. God has called his church to meet people's needs. I know that's a revelatory, revolutionary idea. God's called his church to meet people's needs. And I do not just mean their spiritual needs. I mean their natural needs. We went, we went, I don't remember what night it was. Friday night, I think, we went downtown. My daughter's about to turn 14. So, of course, we had to go expend an exorbitant amount of money three weeks before her birthday. It's only fitting. I was out of town last week. I woke up to a text message. It wasn't, good morning, Dad. I miss you. I love you so much. How are you doing? I hope you're okay. Can't wait till you get home. It was, Dad, I need a Gucci belt. I'm going to get you a, a, a Lucy belt. That's Gucci's broke sister. <laughs> Dad, I need a Gucci belt. No, 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 no. You got what you need is a J-O-B is what you need. <laughs> Food City's right down there, and I'll be more than happy to drop you off and help you fill out an application. But we went down there. We were eating at a restaurant, my, my wife, my daughter's favorite restaurant, the melting pot down there. And... We cooked all the food, and they just had to cook all of it. We had to take it home, um, and we're leaving. We're walking out. It's freezing cold. I'm trying to keep my four-year-old son from getting hit by a car. They're up there 
you know, my wife, my two daughters, if you, you have to know my wife, they're up there, you know, frolicking down the block. <laughs> While me and Asher wrestling on the pavement. And as we walk up, when I walk, when I get to the car, because I get there much later than everybody else, I get to the car and a homeless person had come up to my wife and, and my daughters. And she was needing some money because she had a contract on a place to stay, but she was $20 short. And she showed us the paperwork and everything. And we had a box of food. And she looked, she said, are you going to eat that? Well, I said, no, you, you can have it. Steak and chicken and all this. She ripped open that box and wasn't even chewing the food. She was swallowing it whole. This is in our city. This is our city. And we're going to get in our car and drive to our brand new neighborhood in Hardin Valley and turn on our big screen TV in our fireplace and watch TV for the rest of the night. That's who we're, that is the purpose. Her name was Jacqueline. Jacqueline is the purpose of wealth. Jacqueline is why God wants you to have more than enough because she don't have enough. And if God can get money through you, God can get money to you. That's the purpose. You can either use it to buy your fourth car or you can use it to help Jacqueline. That's the difference between being rich and being wealthy. You with me? And God has called, the Bible says he's given us the power to get wealth so his covenant would be established in the earth. This is not a get rich quick message. This is God wants you to be financially empowered and there's a path we have to take to get there. You with me? Let me talk about it for a few minutes. Can I do that? I told you last week that the, the framework that we're going to work with is we have to deal with, before we get to Jacqueline, before we get to changing her life, it is, it is quite fascinating to me how lost the condition of the poor is on us. It's amazing. We live out west we go to church out west, and they feel a million miles away, and they're right up the street. Y'all with me? It's like two different planets, and their zip codes one digit apart. Before we can get to helping her, we got to get our own stuff sorted out. Or else all we have to offer her is, let me pray for you. And you still going to have to sleep outside tonight. And it was about 34 degrees. And raining. Be warm. Be filled. I've even seen people do this. I have watched this with my own eyes. Christians 
be approached by the homeless. Do you know how, do you know how shameful that must be? Do you know how shameful that must feel? Think about it. You feel weird calling mom and him asking for $50. Think of what it feels like to walk up to a complete stranger and say, I've not eaten in about three days. Do you have $2 you could spare? Think of how that, think of how that shapes you. That's, their condition is completely lost. You know why? Because we have this theology that says everything in your life is because of the decisions that you made. And if you would just make better choices, you wouldn't be in this situation. That's about as mean-spirited of a thing as I could possibly think somebody to say. There are for sure issues and situations where people make decisions that are not good for them. But not everybody going through a bad season is because they made a bad choice. Some of the seasons you went through in your life, you didn't go through them just because you made a bad decision. Come on, somebody. And it's different because when we're going through something, we we want our brothers and sisters to rally around us. When somebody else is going through something, we're more than happy to throw out the judgment. That's who we're called to. But there's some things we've got to do first. Because we can't, with the, the church by and large, if we could not weather a $400 emergency, we're for sure not prepared to transform Jacqueline's life. Okay? She's the goal. She's the vision. She's God's heart. She's God's mission. One, I'm going to tell you this right now, and I want you to go ahead and get prepared. Once COVID gets behind us, in Jesus' name, we are going to mobilize an army to help the poor out of this church. You with me? We've served here and there. We've done serve days. We've went and fed them. We've went and prayed for them. We've went and ministered them, all that stuff. And, and it was powerful and it was awesome. And we're, go, we're going to do that. But it's not going to be a one-time an event year where we can go take pictures and put it on Instagram and say, look, we're outreaching. I've seen, I've seen Christians meet people like Jacqueline and they didn't have any ability to help them. So they just start witnessing to them. Where are you going to spend eternity, Jacqueline? She don't know where she's going to spend tonight. You know, Jesus, I can't even think straight because I've not eaten in three days, but go off and preach your sermon so you can go home and feel anointed that you witnessed to somebody today. The essence of the kingdom of God is manifesting solutions to people's problems, be it spiritual, emotional, physical, or material, the essence of the kingdom of God is manifesting solutions to people's problems. And when you start talking about being wealthy and God empowering you, we get all weird. Being wealthy is the only blessing we feel compelled to apologize for. 
You're not walking around saying, man, I'm so sorry that I'm healthy. I'm so sorry that I don't have cancer. You're not going around doing that. But our culture has taught us to be financially empowered means that you're evil. To be financially empowered means you're financially empowered to help somebody. Jacqueline's the mission, but there's some work we got to do first. I'm going to talk to you about that for just a second. You with me? The clock's telling me I got 12 minutes and 15 seconds. All right? Number one, I want you to write this down. If you're a note taker, this is going to be your note taker's paradise. Let's pretend for a moment that you worked, let's pretend you were the accountant for a large company and you managed their money the same way you manage your money. Let's be honest, you'd be fired, right? Number one, you've got to learn. This is going to hurt. you got to learn to live below your means. Or let me, let me give it to you a little bit more plainly. Stop acting rich when you're not. Stop acting rich. I read a book one time called, wait for it, Stop Acting Rich. And in this book, this man tells the story. He was a teenager, and he was a caddy. He was a golf caddy. Now, I don't play golf. Don't really know what that means, other than you carry the bags around, right? Amelia's like, yeah, of course. What you would you, you pro golfer? He was a caddy, and he caddied at two golf courses. He caddied at a public course, and he caddied at a private country club. They were not far from each other. He would just ride his bicycle back and forth. He said at the private country club, there was a hefty fee to get in. It was doctors and lawyers, businessmen, CEOs. And he said, you had the top tier of those people that were just like, like, like Jay-Z level money, right? I mean, just rich. And then you had everybody else that wanted to act rich. Then you went to the public course. And when you pulled up, you saw everybody's at the, at the private golf course, you saw everybody's Mercedes, their Rolls Royces, right? And their Beamers. I would say Tesla, but this is an old book. Then you went to the public course and you saw everybody's, you know, Honda Civic, 12 years old, holding the bumper down with a Christian bumper sticker, holding the trunk down. In case of rapture, this car will be unmanned. Hold that <laughs> trunk down. Honk if you love Jesus. And he said, by far, he got more tips at the public course than the private course. Wow. You know why? Because the people at the private course didn't have it. They acted rich, but they weren't. They had high income. And high consumption. Before we can ever even talk about Jacqueline and what she needs from us, you got to get yourself under control. You got to get yourself under control. I'm about to cuss. You got to get yourself on a budget. 
it's okay. You'd rather me preach about politics than the budget. Right? You're going to have to learn to look at yourself in the mirror and say, no, you can't buy that new iPhone. You're like, you're what we like to call broke. I tell my daughter that she's like, dad, I need a new iPhone. Really, sweetheart? You need it? She's like, yeah. I said, do you have any money? No, but you do. You're right. But you are what we like to call broke. Dad, that's not funny. I know. But really, to me and mom, it's real funny. <laughs> Say it with me, honey. I'm broke. <laughs> B-R-O. No, I'm starting. <laughs> I need to come up with some cheerleading chants. You got to get yourself under control. It's not that you never get it. It's that right now you don't get it. Right? So when we want something we can't afford, what's the answer? Put it on the credit card. Raise your debt ceiling. Right? Because we, we have no impulse control. And the reason we have no impulse control is because when it comes to money, we don't think long term. We don't think being to a place where you're so financially empowered that meeting your needs, your family's needs, your family's family's needs, and then meeting Jacqueline's needs is not even an issue. We can't even think that far. We think they just released a new phone and it has a 0.002 megapixel camera bigger, better than the one I've got. You got 14,000 pictures on that phone. You look at nine of them on the regular, right? The rest of them are memes <laughs> that you screenshot. This is what my wife's phone looks like. Thank God for the meme creators. I'm just going to throw that out there. You make life worth living sometimes. <laughs> You're doing the Lord's work. You got to get yourself under control. You got to live on less than you make. That's why the Bible says a fool devours all that he has. Do you even know how much it costs for you to survive every month? Do you have a number? Do you have a number? Do you know how much of your income? Do you have a percentage amount of how much you have to make every month to survive? We're out of control. We're absolutely out of control. Some of you done spent your tax return. Ain't even got it yet. Some of us done spin our stimmy. I like saying that word. And you ain't even got it yet. Because we're out of control. Because we devour all that we have. So good luck, Jacqueline. But I need a, yet another pair of shoes. Y'all with me? We want to get you there. We want to get you to the place where you have more than enough for you and your family. And or we want to get you there. But it is a process. And it's going to take saying no now. You have to sacrifice on the front end so we can be blessed on the back end. And some of us are unwilling to do that. All through your Bible, they always thought about wealth generationally. I am the God of Abraham, the God of, and the Bible says Abraham was very rich. You can Hebrew it. You can do the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. You can read it however you want. Abraham was very rich. 
period. And he says, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I am the God of Jacob. Because most of us did not inherit money, we don't think generationally about money. We don't think about our kids and our kids' kids. We think about right now, and oh my God, there's a new phone out, and like a crack addict, I'm going to go stand in line for nine hours to get it. And drop it in three days and crack the screen. The pursuit, listen, everybody look at me. I'm going to be done here. i got four minutes, give or take. The pursuit of wealth is righteous. It's righteous. Meaning it is both right and good to pursue being blessed so that you can be a blessing for another. Now, I grew up, I told you this last week, I grew up in the prosperity preacher gospel world. That was my entire world, the prosperity gospel. Where they would say, they would just, they would just, they, they would just lie. I don't mean stretch your faith, I mean just lie. If you give $111.11 for the next 111 days, God told me there's 111 people going to just like, that's called manipulation. All right. And you need to knock all that junk off. You know what though? It works. That stuff works. That stuff raises so much money. I was at an event one time. They raised $70 million in 45 minutes. Naming out every amount under the sun. $312, $409. I got 618 to do. Six, six, seven. <laughs> Not six. Six, six, seven. God said, and you're just like manipulate. But this was the thing about the prosperity gospel that was always missed. They preached that God wanted you to blessed. Yes. They preached that God wanted you to have more than enough. Yes. We agree. What they never talked about was why. They never talked about Jacqueline. They taught that God wants you to have so much money so when the world looks at you, they decide, oh, Jesus is real, and they become Christians. They believe that they, God wants you to have so much money as a sign to the unbeliever that this is why you should serve God because then you can be rich like me. That's not why God wants you to be financially empowered. I could put you in the car right now and take you down there and there's more Jacquelines walking around. There are. But we got that credit card payment this week, see? On 28% interest. So you're going to have to wait, Jacqueline. Because MasterCard is calling. Because we can't say no to ourselves now. We can't get on a. Budget. Well, I work hard for my money. I think I should be able to spend it as much as I want. Well, aren't you just a martyr? You sat at your desk for 40 hours this whole week. And you should just be able to buy whatever in Jesus name. Like Dave Ramsey says, call the ambulance. 
you don't deserve to buy anything you can't afford. What if, what if we operated our lives at the speed of cash? What if we didn't have the cash for it? That was God telling us, no, not yet. This is only going to get worse. We're going to talk about debt in a minute. Then we're going to give an altar call. Everybody's going to feel condemned after that one. We got to get under control. You will never, you and I will never, we will never get to where he's called us to be. Empowered. If we don't get some stuff under control now. Right? Forget about Jacqueline. Are your kids going to be okay? Forget about Jacqueline. Are your grandkids going to be okay? Hang on, Jacqueline. Are you going to be okay when you get too old to work? I'm going to trust God. You better. I got my social security check coming in. Really? The government? That is awesome at managing money. Jacqueline, we hear you, and we see you, and we know that's who God's called us to, but we got some work to do first, and the first thing we got to do is we got to just be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, no, not right now, not no forever, not right now. Because you, you need to look at yourself in the mirror sometimes and say, because you are what we like to call broke. <laughs> you with me? You got to get your spending under control because a fool devours all that he has. A fool devours all that he has. But in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and all, but the fool devours all that he has. Are you enjoying this? This is helping me. This is a great way to remind myself with this new year kicking in. Right? What if, what if COVID's not over by the summer? Got great news. There's a new strain of this in the UK. What if this is prolonged longer than, it's already went longer than any of us ever thought. I remember in March when they said, you should be ready, you should be planning to have Easter online. Me and my infinite wisdom said, there's no way this is going to go that long. We can't help the hurting when we're hurting. We can't help those that don't have enough. When we don't have enough. That's why you getting your house in order and you pursuing a life that empowers you financially is God honoring. Because it is also loving your neighbor. Because you're not just doing it so you can have six different houses. You are doing it for Jacqueline who just needs a house for a week. You hearing what I'm saying? Stand up on your feet. That was 
Let's see, I had one, two, three, four, five, six. I had seven points. That was number one. Listen to me. This is why you got to get yourself under control. This is why we've all got to get ourselves under control. You listening? If you fake rich now, you will be real broke later. There's really a couple of options. To help the, the poor, the hungry, the naked, the thirsty. There's really a couple of options. Either the church can get itself together and manage its money the way God's told us to. Or we can just complain for the next 50 years about Congress about the president about the economy about jobs going here and jobs going there we can do all that or we can say God I'm going to get my money into the kingdom and I'm going to do this your way and inside the kingdom of God there are advantages not available to when we do this the ways of the world hear what I'm saying You've never given God anything that you lost. He always gives it back to you greater. Y'all know the story of the rich young ruler. I'll preach on this at some point, hopefully, maybe. That's like the one story that everybody loves to say you should be broke. Because he goes up to Jesus and he says, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He said, I've kept all of them. And Jesus said, then sell all of your stuff and give it to the poor and follow me. And the Bible says the man went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. And we stop right there. And we say, see? Money, bad. Wealthy people, bad. Broke, good. Me being a nervous wreck, good. Bill collectors calling the house, good. We stop the story right there. And Jesus continues. This is what he says. It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. And you've heard it your whole life preached. There's a gate called the eye of the needle. And you, there, none of that's true, but whatever. There is, I've been to Israel. There is no eye of the needle gate anywhere. And then Peter says, Lord, we gave up everything to follow you. Same story. You know what Jesus says to him? Nobody that gives up something for me does not inherit 100-fold back in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. You can't give it to me and me not give it back to you multiplied. That's why we're going to handle money God's way. 
because we can't give this to him and him not hand it back to us multiplied. Step number one, a fool devours all that he has. You got to get on the budget. I know, I know the sound. You're like, I want you to preach. I am preaching. Get on a budget. Because nobody, Jesus said nobody sits down to build a tower and doesn't at least first count the cost. Some of us got money bleeding out of ways. We don't even know where it goes. You get your tax return and see how much you made and see how much you got left and think, what? This is a mathematical impossibility. There's no way. Because it's out of control. You got to get control. Amen? This is step one. Jacqueline, we're on our way. We've not been doing what we need to do, and we got to get some things sorted out, and it might take a little time. But we're coming for you. We're coming for you. Do you hear? Oh, I feel that. We're coming for you. We've not forgotten you. we'll do the hard thing now so we'll be able to do whatever we want later amen father we come to you in Jesus name give us your heart for the hurting for the poor for those that don't have enough give us your heart for how we've divorced our world from theirs completely. And their problems are their problems and our problems are our problems. You stay over there and we'll stay over here. We repent. Changes. And give us the grace do the hard things this year with our finances that we need to do to say no to ourselves so we can say yes to whatever you tell us to do later we love you we thank you and we bless you everybody said amen amen I want you to uh, look we'll get to some real exciting stand up clap shout preaching we'll, we'll do that later after we talked to Jacqueline I think that, that was her name right we got in the car both of my kids both my daughters my oldest one especially said wow that makes me never want to complain again and my youngest one who's like her mom who 
who has a heart the size of Knoxville, who's here with me today. He said, that's what I want to spend my life doing. We had to go home after that and we had to watch that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. They were all motivated now. We're coming. We just got to get some stuff right first. Right? Some of you that are married, you and Boo, need to have some conversations. You and Boo need to have some conversations. And say, we're either going to get serious about this now or the next 10 years are going to drizzle past our life and we're still not going to be any further. We need to get serious. We are going to have to do some hard things now so we can do whatever we want later. But if we don't, this is going to drizzle right past us. And we're going to look up 10 years from now and talk about Congress. The president, the economy. You get on a budget, you'll feel like you got a raise. You'll feel like you're working three jobs. You cut back that eating out budget, you'll feel delivered. But I earned it. Yeah, I guess. I hear you. But a fool devours all he has. Y'all with me? Can y'all hear this? All right. I want you to be in prayer as well. I want, I want you to lean into this. I want you to pray for God to do something in us through this. But I also want you to be praying about our nation needs. I don't, I don't know what the word would I don't want to sound cliche. Our nation needs Jesus. Well, we all know that. I mean, I think, I'm, I, don't, I don't think that. I hope I'm wrong. I hope, I hope that we don't see any more of this. I don't know if we will. I texted a buddy the other day. I said, Biden better do his inauguration on Zoom or something because it could get out of hand quick. We just need to be in prayer. Amen. And we need to keep lifting up our voice saying, that is not God. If you're mad about the results, that's fine. Be mad, protest, make your case, lift your voice. However, you got to lift it. But that, it's not right. It's not God. And God is not in that, and God will not honor that. Even if you think you're doing so good, that is not God. Amen? We love you. Hope Unlimited. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.